Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Girl! It's our 100th episode. I don't even know what to say. This is like... Our little baby is all grown up. I mean, how is how have we done 100 episodes of Cheaper Than Therapy? You know what's wild is sitting, like thinking about when we started, like having the conversation. First of all, that was three houses ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> A house and two apartments ago. Mm. Pre-baby, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, like just to think about how much has happened in these hundred episodes. I know. So wild, right? Like I think for everybody, it feels like a time warp anyway, mm-hmm. but it's just like, it's, cra- it's crazy. I love that. It was just sort of a random thought that we had at dinner one night. We were like, we should just start recording us having conversations that we love to have. It would be fun. It was sort of like a, let's just do it. And then I feel like it really became such a grounding touchstone between the two of us Mm -hmm. during what, you know, was a really challenging, traumatic time. Like, I think there was something really necessary for me in being able to like check in with you once a week and record a podcast. And like, you know, it just felt like such um, consistency in a time when life was just really inconsistent, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll call her out in this episode too. our amazing producer, Emily, who's Mm. been here with us since day one as well. And I talked to Emily last week and she said something very similar, right. Which was just like, I feel like once a week I get to sit down with you ladies, even if I don't really, you know, I'm listening to your voices and Mm. she's like, it's like, it's time that I carve out for myself every week as I'm editing it. And it's always, you know, I learn so much and this and that. And, and she said the same thing. It's just been the only constant in Mm. my life this entire last couple of years. And, you know, I'm not like over here going, oh, we're so amazing. But I mean, I imagine it's similar for a lot of people. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, we are so amazing. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. I think all of us were just, we've all been kind of scrambling for some kind of constant. And mm. so if in any way we provided that to even one person, which Emily is that one person. So two people, <laughs> then, right. then I feel happy about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's just been such a inspiring experience for, I'll speak for you, for us as well. And that we've gotten to really sit down with so many people that we admire and um, respect the work that they're doing in the world. And, um, and I think really, you know, offer some support through the live coaching that we've done again, throughout this really unique moment in history that we've all been living through. Totally. You know, and I will say too, to pull back, what do they say? Break the fourth wall, to pull back the curtain, to talk to you all who are listening. I don't know what that term is. John uses it in screenwriting. Hmm. Um, There's some exciting stuff that we've been working on, you know, like some stuff in the works that were, I mean, you know, with all of the endless hours that we have, the free time that we have in our lives (laughs) that we've been trying to figure out and, um, you know, more episodes, I think of you and I, because we know that we've seen that people really 
you know, respond to those well and really like those. Um, I'm working on a way through my new website, but also potentially through the cheaper than therapy website where people can start writing in, Mm. you know, and actually can reach out to us and ask us questions and ask us specifics so that we can, during our conversations, actually address those, you know, live. Um, I think it's a really good way for people to feel like they're being heard. Um, and there's just a bunch of other cool stuff coming, cool, you know, conversations and Mm. it's still happening. Y'all it's growing. I mean, it's amazing to see that it has become our, you know, our little community. I feel like we've, we've done retreats now where people have, you know, come to the retreats saying that they've been listening to us for these hundred episodes. Like they've been on this ride with us, which just feels amazing. And, um, I just feel really grateful to be able to have this space with you, babe. It's really been, I mean, obviously I'm inspired by you always, but to be able to do this, this work and, and be on this journey of like creating something together that I know matters to both, both of us has just been such an incredible gift. Agreed. Mm. This is why at the end of every interview, you do the, we're so grateful to have you on the podcast. You are blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh-huh, what she said. I'm so grateful to have you, babe. The words of affirmation person. I'm like, yes, I love you today. I'm I agree with such you. words of affirmation person. How did I surround myself by you and my partner? Both words of affirmation. Yeah, that's why I'm like, John, I get all awkward. Me. I know. And like red face. And I'm like, uh-huh. I kind of like making you awkward. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things. Doesn't take much. Uh, well, this should be it's a funny conversation that we actually had maybe a couple weeks ago. Um that I think a lot of people will resonate with, especially the women who listen. Mm. Um, but for the men who listen, you'll get a little insight probably into the inner workings of our mind if you haven't already. Yeah. But, Feels like a good one to do for our hundredth. I love it. Agreed. Agreed. I hope you all enjoy. Okay, so today we are talking about a conversation that Danae and I will half jokingly have, but also is something that, um, yeah, is coming up a lot. I mean, I think it, it's not like it's a new topic. I mean, mm. it comes up all the time, but I think it probably is more alive for us. Tell me if I'm wrong, because we now find ourselves crossing this threshold in a way. Yeah, probably like first time ever, right? I feel like I'm coming out on the other side. No. <laughs> I'm, well, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, but I think, you know, the conversation we we're talking about is, you know, when we live in a society that so much of what we experience as women is a lot of objectification and that, um, you know, women are, um, you know, really sort of viewed by society based on their looks and, um, you know, aging as a woman, there is an experience of grief that I think we don't talk about a lot. And I, it's so funny. I heard um, years ago in an interview with Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. Oprah was talking, I mean, she's amazing. Um, but she was talking to her about the grief that came from all of a sudden her realizing like she was walking down the street with her young teenage daughter and a group of men sort of turned and looked at them and she realized all of a sudden oh none of them are looking at me they're looking at my daughter and it was like that point where all of a sudden she came into the realization like I'm sort of irrelevant to society at Mm. this point in the way that I have been experienced by society up to this point right so I think this has been coming up for a lot of my female clients lately um just feeling like 
I'm sort of navigating that I don't really care anymore because I feel like people don't see me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that we talk about in the context of when you become a new mama. Yeah. How sometimes that can be um, a big part of the grief is like when you're pregnant and any of you who've had a baby um, know that when you're pregnant, everybody's focus is on you. It's like, Oh, you're pregnant. You're, like, you're walking down the street and literally the door. like you're like, why are random people smiling at me? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, going on? Um, and you're like the center of the universe. And then you have this baby and you could not be more relevant to the world, but also your entire body structure has disappeared or has changed. Um, you sort of feel like not only have you disappeared, but you are just like unrecognizable to yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a tremendous amount of grief mm -hmm. that I just sit with so many women as they're experiencing around. I have been one thing in society for my entire lifetime mm -hmm. and that's gone. And what am I now? Who am I now? So I think there's an interesting kind of segue in this, not a segue, but like an add-on in this conversation, which is, I think as you know, strong women, I think as like the feminist movement, it's been this idea of like, well, who cares, right? Like we shouldn't be objectified. Who gives a shit that like we're seen as these sexual objects and now we're not. And like, we should never be anyway. I can almost hear that like argument in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and yet that could potentially be your truth and there's still grief, right? Like there's, I think there's a little bit of um, holding multiple truths that has to go into this conversation, right? For so many women, um, because there is a point, even for me, where I was like, oh, wait, like I've always prided myself on, on not being this like highly, you know, like the sexual kind of being. And yet there is still grief around men not looking at me the same, not men actually all of society, our culture, society not yeah. looking at me the same as they used to. Um, and, and not only that other people don't look at me, but to your point, I don't also look at me mm. in the same way. And I actually think that for me personally, that's actually been harder for me. Um, like I've been struggling more recently with how I see myself as far as like my body and like my working out routine, right? Like I've always had a very, like, I know exactly what to do for my body as far as like upkeep and taking care of myself and feeling good in my skin. And now it's not working in the same way, working air quotes as it used to. Um, and I'm really grappling with like, wait a second, who is this body? Like, what do you mean all of a sudden it's different, right? Now, of course that's having a kid, but that's also age, mm -hmm. right? As I'm kind of rounding 40. Um, and so there's been a lot of like, frustration that I have felt and like almost anger towards my body around like, wait, you don't get to change the rules now. Like it's been almost 40 years. We've been doing the same shit. Like, what do you mean now you're telling me I have to like work twice as hard and like pay just as, you know, twice as much attention as I used to. Um, and who am I doing that for? I guess. I don't know. Well, to me, that ultimately becomes the question, right? Because it does feel like a reclaiming of sorts. And I think it's interesting that you talk about it in the context of the feminist movement. I wrote a post, um, I guess that was last week, I don't remember, because I was hearing a lot of women talk about, you know, you know me and like the divine feminine and sort of like this reclaiming of this feminine energy that has been rejected and discarded by wounded patriarchal culture for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, what I was hearing a lot of conversations around was, you know, it's really damaging to the pushback on patriarchy for women to be posting pictures of themselves on social media in conjunction with like divine feminine mm. energy, right? And a couple, and so what the argument is, the focus shouldn't be on you as an individual. It should be on, you know, women's rights the and like whatever the activism rights. is mm -hmm. that we're getting behind. And while I hear that, the pushback or I guess the resistance that comes up for me are a couple things. One, I feel like if, and, and a lot of, I will say a lot of the argument I was hearing this from was certainly not young women. It was women of a certain age yep. who were sort of in the space of, you know, that there's a little bit of like what we're talking about, that it's bullshit that society has decided we're irrelevant. So like, we're not going to like, um, almost like feed into that or like, yeah, but like we're making, we're bringing the focus into like who we are and not mm -hmm. we, what we look like and not mm -hmm. like, you know, these images of ourselves. And what I would argue though, is, you know, removing ourselves from the narrative completely as older women, like, isn't that sort of feeding into the idea that once we reach a certain age, like we should just sort of disappear or mm -hmm. we should like, I find it so empowering when I see, um, women of all ages, you know, Helen skin Mary. colors. <laughs> I yes. look at Helen Mirren like, and I'm like, oh, that Fox, like she, oh. I mean, J-Lo. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Can we like talk about like all of these women? Helen who are, it's like 20 years old than J-Lo. But I'm just, but <laughs> I know yes, what you're but, like the like, spectrum because I feel still like- Still embracing it, still showing up as like your full feminine self, right? Regardless yeah. of age, yeah. And I feel like that's the conversation I've been having with a lot of clients is like they're like maybe rounding 50 and like feeling like, how is this real? And I'm like, yeah, but like, how do we reclaim like what that means? That's mm -hmm. society telling you that 50 means like, what does that mean? Yeah. Right? Like, how do we find attractors? How do we find people in the world who are rocking 50 and beyond and 70 mm -hmm. and beyond in a way that feels empowering and exciting to mm -hmm. step into this phase of life versus, you know, I'm not what society has deemed, um, like sexy. Yeah. So, so I disappear. I think that there's also a part of this conversation that I see come up a lot, which is, um, you know, the pushback that we'll get, not just, actually I was going to say men, but I've seen this kind of argument come from women too. Um, where it's like, well, if you don't want to be sexualized, don't dress sexy. Right. Mm -hmm. It's this kind of whole, like, um, she wore a short skirt and so she was assaulted and it's like, well, she wore yes. a short skirt. What did she expect? Right. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of a, of like a flavor of that in what you're saying too, which I think a lot of us, again, women, men, it doesn't matter. It's like the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in. Right. It's this idea that like, we have also been programmed to believe that I've brought this on myself. And so I have to like protect myself by also being modest, mm -hmm. right? Like modesty is somehow, what I need to do in order to, yeah, protect myself. That's the kind of word, I guess. But you know what I think is so interesting about patriarchy is it's so much of our internalized mm -hmm. um, self-hatred to me. And misogyny, internal, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I know for sure I have had the largest, like, resistance pushback as I have been in the space of reclaiming some of these elements of myself from other women. That is yeah. when I experience other women sort of, like, turning away from me or like, like, you know, it's, it's energetic, mm -hmm. but you can feel it. And I, listen, I get it. I absolutely have been there. And it was, um, in the space of like what was dormant within me or what I wasn't willing to sort of 
embrace or look at within myself, like my own sensual energy, my own embodied feminine, my own ability to receive and, you know, trust. Um, all of those things were, were elements of me that like the shadow yeah. that it was really, really painful for me to see other women sort of embodying things that I had really disregarded within myself. So we talked about this a little bit in another episode where we talked about like, um, you know, my, what I announced on our podcast that like I used to work at Hooters and, you know, we had this whole conversation, similar conversation on another episode around, um, my own struggle with like, you know, other women who are very sexual in nature and like owning it and like what that brings up for me and how I bristle and all that stuff. Um, but I do want to turn it a little bit to this idea of aging. Right. So we were kind of half joking, talking about how I've, I've said that, especially now that I'm on video a lot, right. Like I'm noticing things, I'm noticing things looking a little different than they used to. Like my chin does not have the same chiseled, nice jawline <laughs> that I used to. And I'm over here considering getting, you know, like, what about those new, like sugar facelift things that they're doing? And I'm like <laughs> researching it on Instagram, but I'm in roles about it. They're sugar threads, they dissolve and all this stuff. And like, what if Paltrow apparently has had a few of them? And mm-hmm. it's this whole sugar. thing. And so I, you know, and you're like, oh my God, just embrace it. We're all aging. And I'm like, but I guess my question is like, is there a yes and in there? Like who, yes, who am I doing that for? I guess could be the question, but also like, um, the same could be said for like, why get your eyebrows done? Or like, why get your teeth whitened? Because they're super bushy. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess where's the line between like, keep like I get my nails done, right? Upkeep around that um, and getting my hair dyed or whatever. And then like maybe getting a little touch up here or whatever. I would like to hear your thoughts on this because I, mean, I don't see that much of a difference. I'm not talking about full on going in and like getting your whole shit reworked, but like a little touch up. I mean, listen, this is like, let me just start with the caveat. Like everybody do you, <laughs> it's your face, your body, your yeah. whatever. And I don't think it's the and same. And I had my nose done when I was in high school. So y'all, I am the wrong person to talk There's about. There's zero judgment. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. And I think that there's something about getting your nails or your eyebrows done that feels different in that it's the inevitable um, trajectory of where this is headed, right? Like it feels like resisting the inevitable to me, which is that we are meant to age. It is is sort of the inevitable track that we're on. And here's where I like, I, I can feel the energetic like <laughs> irritation when I say this Yeah, and I, I stand by it. When we have a lot of this work done, we don't look younger. Oh, no. I mean, we look like we've had work done. Listen, I am not in any way trying to say that I want to become a cat woman, which is kind of what I call these, again, like kind of no judgment. And yet when you're walking around Beverly Hills and every single woman looks exactly the same and they all look very feline, it's like the best way to describe that look. And I think we all know what look I'm talking about. Um, ain't no one advocating. Like everyone's like, and I'm done with you. Listen, I I love you. I get that, but listen, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just like a little here in the jowls, you know, like. You're talking about Helen Mirren and how beautiful she is. Yeah, and I would bet money that Helen Mirren's had a little bit of Botox here and there. Like she might not have had a full on, again, she doesn't look like Catwoman, but I would bet money that she's had a little touch up here and there. I don't know. So where's the line? Again, like. Around like wanting to look refreshed. What does that mean? I I mean it's also like less saggy oh baby you don't look saggy I feel like it's I don't know it's um 
I don't know. This How is- do we internally, I guess, here's the good question. How do we internally decide for ourselves what that line is? Well, uh, and okay, let's circle back, right? Because I think that it is like, what do I do and how do I own what I need to do for myself yes. to feel good in my skin? Because yes. absolutely, I went through- I went from red hair back to blonde hair, right? Hair this is amazing. And this is a little like that to me feels in the realm of my nails and my, yeah. you know, like that's like painting yeah. this- um, this form, right? Yes, this, this, this body love, right? Yes, um, which is different than changing it. And again, like ah, it's so like I feel like this is just, like I do you. And when is it enough? When is it like because it's going to continue to progress? Like we're on a one way train. You're yeah. going to keep getting older. The jowls are going to dip further, right? <laughs> Whatever's happening is going to happen. Um, but how do I get to a place where I am doing things that you know? After I had a baby, yeah. I've talked about this openly. Like I, I went through a dark period of just mm-hmm. feeling like I don't even know who I am. Yeah. I couldn't even look at myself. Like it was just like oof, rough. And what I, what I made the decision to do was like I'm going to start with just like I want to be stronger yes. again. Like yes. I want to feel strong in my skin. I want to feel like empowered in my sense of self. It's that Arthur Ashe. Which to interrupt you really quick, when you say I want to feel strong in my skin, I think an important like background for people to know about you is that you've also always been a very, like had a strong yoga practice. Mm -hmm. So when I think of you, I always think of like a very strong muscular is like the word that comes up, but it's more just like it's strength, right? Like in the way you move through the world, like there's strength in that. So I just wanted to give that back. But that's a big part of it too, because I remember going to yoga after I had a baby and like, I couldn't like do anything that I was able to do for like 10 years of my life to bring, yeah, to bring myself back to myself. And I felt like I, a little bit of what you're saying about working out, like, I don't know how to do this if I can't like do what I've always been able to do. Yeah. My tools were like shot. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Right. So that was really painful, but also just, you know, it's that transition from maiden to mother. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that's other ash core. I interrupted you. Oh, well, yeah. Well, let's start with, so it's that thing of like, the world has experienced me one way and a little of what Sigourney Weaver was talking about. Like I can energetically feel the world is experiencing mm-hmm. me differently. Mm-hmm. Now the Arthur Ashe quote that I was going to say is I just decided like, I want to be stronger. So I'm going to start where I am, mm-hmm. use what I have, do what I can. Yeah. That's his quote. Right. And I just focused on like, I just want to do something every day where I'm like keeping a promise to myself and I'm getting a little bit stronger. And I'm like, yeah, I did that at yeah. the end of whatever it was. And what I found was <clears throat> what shifted was the way I felt about me, which was the energy shift. And all of a sudden I became different in the way I was experiencing myself in the world, mm-hmm. which was not like, oh, I started getting attention again. And it was amazing. It wasn't about that. It was just um, a dropping into like, a radiation of like love and wellspring energy and just like comfort in your own skin too yeah. like not, maybe not comfort I don't know what the word is but there's something about from within it radiated outward yeah. because that was the truth of how right, I started right. feeling about myself again right because I started like re-owning like I just want to be strong and excited to be me in this body right no I love that you know that reminds me yeah. of I actually just did a video this morning so I had a few different questions come in um, that were very similar in this vein around like, how do I find, um, how do I find the strength or the courage to leave? Right. Mm -hmm. So whether it's leave the relationship, leave the job, like leave the toxic, you know, um, familial relationship, whatever it is, there was like versions of this question that I felt like kept coming up. Mm -hmm. 
And what reminded the reason why this came up for me when you were saying that is part of my answer was as a therapist, as a fellow human, as a friend, as a woman, doesn't matter. It's not my job to tell you when it's time for you to leave, right? Or how you find the courage to leave. That's actually a very personal journey. Rather putting my therapist hat on, it's more about me really sitting with you in what is this, what purpose is this serving you? Right. So like holding on to this quote unquote toxic relationship um, or anxiety or depression, which you and I have talked about before. Right. Whatever this struggle is, it could be relational. It could be mental health, whatever. Can we go deeper and say, like, what is this? What purpose is this serving me? What am I learning Mm -hmm. in this in this experience, this specific experience? Um, Am I willing to actually look into the mirror and say, like, what am I gaining from this um, about myself, right? And so what I was saying in this video is like through the process of that, which is hard and people will bristle at that and you'll get a lot of like, it's victim blaming. You know, I get a lot of that pushback um, to say like, oh, it's serving a purpose. Um, But if you shift your mindset to that and say like internally, own this internally, look in the mirror internally. um, What is it about me? What am I gaining? What do I want to reclaim for myself? And you start to do that work all of a sudden it's like you, you find this moment. And I say all of a sudden, because to me, in my experience of this, it did feel like a light switch. It doesn't become, how do I find the strength to leave? Or in, or in your example, how do I like become sexy again or whatever? It's almost like, I love that you think I'm sexy. I do think you're sexy. Thank you. (laughs) It almost becomes like, um, how can I not leave? Right. I'm so secure in who I am. I'm so sure of myself. I know Mm. deeply what I've learned and what I've integrated in this experience of looking in the mirror, but how could I not leave this thing? Yeah. Right. That's you. I think you just nailed it. That's it to me. I think it's that sense of capital S self that cannot be rocked, cannot right. be changed. It has nothing to do with the external. Exactly. All, and that, that to me is the thing about like, until I feel good in this skin about <clears throat> who I am beyond whatever I look like. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we can continue to do little like, tweaks forever and it's not gonna it's not gonna make that give me any sense of peace you know yeah I mean I guess I just I come back to this yes and because it's like I do feel like we can do that and there's still gonna be a part of me that sees myself on video and says like and I want a little refreshed like general situation you know and I don't know again it's like how do I internally say what's the line for myself you know well I mean I guess it's I'm not trying to look 20 I guess that's the point it's like I know in my head, I'm not trying to look 20. Like, um, and I know it's, I know the inevitable train that we're all on. Like, I'm not trying to reverse time. And so, I don't know, I don't want to, not that you're telling me this, but it's like, I want to be able to do that. And I guess not feel shame around the fact that I'm like trying to delay the inevitable. Yeah. And I can, I can understand and really hear why that can feel shaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess to me, the way I see it is it feels like a form of resistance, right? If what society has told us um, forever is that, you know, what is beautiful and what is worthy and what is like, you know, what we should strive to be is the 20 year old version (laughs) of ourselves with a tight jawline. Um, The resistance feels like who says? Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether we're talking about like our, our, our aging or our bodies, like, I mean, I think all of it is arguable. 
you know, or, there a, or hair color. So here's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. here's the thing, right? I mean, this is kind of like a silly maybe example, but you know, some of you who follow me saw me go through a few months of mm-hmm. like, I tried out red. Now I was red for like 10 years when I was in my twenties and I loved it. And I'm not saying I don't love the color and I don't like think I look good with red hair. For me, it was more like there was two things. One, it was just way too much upkeep. And when I have a toddler, ain't no one's got time to go to the salon every like six weeks. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it just didn't feel like me. I didn't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I will say. And I'm going to admit something actually out loud that I don't think I've actually articulated at all. Not even to like my partner, John. Um, I have a book coming out this year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I wrote a book. It's not me. It's you. It's a relationship book. And it's my first, obviously it's my first book. Right. And I know there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of press. There's a lot of PR, um, you know, being on camera, whatever interviews. And I have struggled with being blonde for a really long time mm-hmm. because I feel like, oh, I'm just another blonde wellness girl just another white girl out there doing wellness. Like there's everywhere. There's a million of me out there. Like, why am I any different? I don't stand out at all. And there's always been something about the red hair, even when I was in my twenties, that for me helped me stand out. Like it made me a little bit different. And I felt like I got taken more seriously when I had red hair than when I had blonde hair. And so I, I feel like a part of my experiment going back red was maybe in this new kind of phase of who I'm going to be with this book and whatever, like, will this help me quote unquote, help me be taken more seriously. And even in that experiment, I had this realization of like, but I don't take myself seriously. I don't feel good in my skin. Mm. This isn't me. I don't like the way I look. I don't making me. And so like, I went back on and I'm still struggling with that. Like that hasn't gone away just because I had this kind of internal realization and shift, but, um, but there's something about that experience that also feels like kind of relevant to what we're talking about. God, the ping of pain I felt was what if we could see ourselves the way that those who love us experience us like I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like are you kidding me yeah the extent to which I mean and I, I guess it's because I know you so intimately but like how much more you are than that and like the depth of your intelligence and your um like capacity to I'm gonna cry (laughs) I mean we're just gonna sit here and cry together but like oh my god it is making me cry maybe it's my marketing background like like I can't say that maybe it's not my 10 years of being like having a brand and having a look and having a market having a is like very important and I maybe there's part of that but yeah I mean I've never ever since I was young I've never felt like I was either a taken seriously or I mean, I've said this a million times, like as a blonde, like I've always said, I'm very forgettable. And I know before you go like, what are you talking about? And every time I say this, <laughs> just like that, that you could no, 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 I'm telling like, you. I've had this conversation like, with so many people since I was in my twenties where I would say to people, no, I'm telling you like my, internal nobody has ever forgotten you in your Listen, life. That's that not is true. That's not <laughs> true. My internal experience. I'm telling you right now, I cannot even count the number of times I would meet people, especially when I was younger, maybe it stopped as much now that I would meet people and then like second or third time seeing them, they never remembered meeting me. And I'm not making this up. This was a real thing. When I went red in my twenties, that never happened again. It never happened again. I'm telling you, it was a real experience that I had. And again, it's like, is it because I'm generic? Is it because I just look like every other white girl with this blonde hair? I don't know. So whether it's the external shining in or the internal, there's something about this that also we can't deny it shapes our internal experience of ourselves. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm like, I'm, I have a point, but I'm not sure what the point is. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, pontificating. Okay. Yes. 
okay, therapist, take and everything I've just put out there. Here's what <laughs> I want to say. Into something coherent, please. Well, no, I mean, I think everything you said was completely coherent. And to me, the heartbreaking thing about the way that we are conditioned as a society, meaning when I think about what you and John are going to do with this book, it is going to be so unbelievably supportive of normalizing mm-hmm. aspects of relationships and um, like really being of service in the world in a profound way. And I always say the way, you know, like this is my mantra, the way that we combat all of the ways that we have been conditioned to feel like we are enough, not enough is to say to ourselves, the mantra of the lower self says, I need more. The mantra of the higher self says, how do I serve? Mm-hmm. And so of course, all of us feel insecure. Of course, all of us have the ways that like our inner child felt, you know, judged or dismissed or, um, you know, like who we were in our skin was whatever. Yeah. It wasn't that it should have been. And when I am in the space of how do I be of service, um, that suddenly becomes a Yeah. And that, like, it's such a, like, bringing myself back to that practice, right? I don't know how they're just speaking of a personal therapy session, but there was, <laughs> like, I'm like, well, it's happened several times on the podcast for me as well, right? Like, a revelation that I'm having, too, is, like, having been raised by a very strong, loud, opinionated, um, unabashedly taking up space kind of mother, who also, by the way, happened to be very, very aesthetically attractive and really beautiful, right? Also a redhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing yeah. how much you all of a sudden looked like her. Like like, 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 so with the red, it's like next level. So much like your mom. Um, when I'm thinking back to like younger self, like it makes sense then that I would have had a lot of experience of feeling like forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there, like there, you know, we could go into that whole rabbit hole, but I'm sure there's something that plays into that too that I'm just now putting together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think how vulnerable it is to do something this big, there's yeah. like imposter syndrome oh that God. starts to creep in and like inevitably my, am I enough stuff for all of us? Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I yeah, would imagine it. comes in. Right. So yeah. And how do I serve? Right. Can like, I serve with a sugar thread face look? No. Can I just think of how permit? No, I'm like now you can't. Like now you're straight up not allowed to get any sugar put on your face or whatever the fuck it's that you were intending. No, I will like drape my body across you to stop you. Um, but because then I don't know why this is making me emotional. Um, all of the things that you are, and I mean, I love that we're even talking about your beautiful ass. <laughs> an issue but um that becomes the normalization and the pushback and the resistance as well right and maybe this is like the way that I end up like seeing the world through a lens that is very similar to your partner but like those are the rules of like maybe when you worked in those um fields what people needed to look like and do and how they needed to perform in order to be worthy and fuck that yeah Real talk, right? Like, I think that's so much of what makes our relationships a lie, which mm-hmm. is essentially like what this book is about is like, it needs to look pretty on the outside. It's so funny. My my ex just sent me a message with someone like super happy, um, you know, their Valentine's Day post. And he was like, I thought they filed for divorce. And I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know how it goes. You're right? all also like, that's the Instagram That's not what we put on Instagram. Like, come, on, come on now. But I think that that's, I think that's a part of the same thing mm-hmm. to me, right? Yeah. Like our highlight reels don't just like look like the pretty pictures, but they also look like who I need to be to be acceptable in the world right? Like what I need to look like to be enough. And I think that a big part of our work becomes how do I push against that BS as well? Yeah. And can that be permission given, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, so to my friend, Cami, if you're listening, 45, we were planning on getting our There's little no facelifts together at 45. <laughs> Not putting any sugar. Under- no, this is like next level. Have you ever... <laughs> I'm going to get so in trouble for this conversation. Well, look, and I also, I mean, kind of like laughing, but also, I mean, granted, I was like 15, 16 at the time, but I mean, I did have a nose job. Like, I can't say anything about plastic surgery because like, and truly I did it because I did not like the way I, like, it was for me, even at that age, it was like for me. And I'm so happy. There's never been a moment that I regretted having it done. Um, And so, you know, there's that reality in my background too. It's like, um, I mean, they I've already were, done it. Like, <laughs> well, and it's all perfect. It's all perfect elements of the journey. But I'll tell you something. Like, as as someone who, I mean, God, I remember looking in the mirror when I was a kid and just like being like, God, why did God mm-hmm. make me black? Why did God yeah. make me different? You mm-hmm. know, and feeling like my nose was too big and mm-hmm. too wide and looked different than my girlfriend's. And there's so many ways that, oh, God, I like look back at that younger self and I just like, oh, baby, if mm-hmm. you could have known how beautiful you were and it had nothing to do with how you looked you know um I feel more beautiful than I've ever felt in my entire life and it has nothing to do with my exterior like I feel like I'm I'm just like getting better but it's because like what do you think that is in your 40s something shifts I'm telling you like I've heard this from so many women especially and my girlfriend who I'm kind of half jokingly calling out right now we just had lunch yesterday and she's turning 40 in a couple weeks and I did say to her yesterday I was like here's what I will tell you I have heard from numerous women that their 40s were like the best the best years of their life right they felt like themselves the most they felt like the Mm -hmm. most in touch with themselves like whatever um that the 40s were it so I'm I'm just wondering I wonder what that is it's just like knowing the self so much deeper I mean I think and I I know I'm sure this isn't everybody's experience but I think if you really do this like reckoning with your internal world what ends up happening is it's like your 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 boy Bowie said it's like you become the self that you should have been all along right Mm -hmm. um and it's just I think there is some freedom in like I don't have to care about what I look like anymore because maybe people are paying attention to that as much anymore but I I also think that there's just like an in like I'm incapable of giving up like I just don't it just I, every year I get older I have less fucks to give so oh my god it's only it only makes sense that getting into my 40s I'm gonna continue to have less it just feels like a different space of embodiment Oprah talks about it a lot like I think like it starts in your 40s and then it just like keeps getting better but there is just such a like uh, like you see it with the nonsense which is a little bit like why when I hear older women like no we're not posting pictures of ourselves I'm like why I'm still here Post whatever you oh, want. I mean, and everybody should. Yeah. Do what you want. But I think that um, how do I step into this space of, you know, really like allowing my love for myself to be what emanates outward. And that is like my my offering to the world. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the more that we feel like there's something that I need to be in order to be worthy 
that is the energy that people feel around us. That is the the container that we create in their presence. The more that I love myself and accept myself and am in the space of like, (laughs) I I mess up every day and I love myself anyway. That's so permission giving. I mean, that's obviously right. But that's, that to me is the practice. Um, And I feel so much, it's a lot easier for me in my forties than it used to be. Okay. So I'll wait until my 40s to decide if I'm going to get this face <laughs> For sure. Give it a couple years and you may feel differently. And like you still have a young baby. And I mean, God, if we would have had this conversation like when my kiddo was like in this age, would have been different. Yeah, I'm there. She's turning to actually in a couple of weeks. And I remember you telling me, not just you, I have a couple mom friends that have said like there's something about two changes yeah where your internal relationship with yourself starts to change like they start to become slightly more individuated like all this stuff starts to shift around too and I'm I'm feeling it happen like my body is changing again like in a good way I'm Mm -hmm. starting to what I was like rallying against six months ago even or even three months ago feels different now than Mm -hmm. it was um you know, I had this like, oh my God, this is never going to be this, or I'm never going to have whatever about my body. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh wait, that's not actually true. It's changing again. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about this again in maybe another six months when I'm over that bridge. Yes. It feels like you're coming out of the fog. It's like, yeah. oh, oh yes. I remember me. Yeah. Here yeah. Forgot. Remember I forgot. Forgot. But it's exciting time. And I would say the same goes for men, actually. I think that the first two years is also tough for men, you know? like I think John and I have talked about that like all of a sudden becoming more like oh this is me I'm a father like there's something about stepping into fatherhood that I think for the first two years because the first two years to quote my sleep practitioner Davis she says like the first two years belong to mom Mm -hmm. right that I think I'm even watching him and their relationship she's changing towards him he's changing towards her and I know he has said like, watch out, like all of a sudden you're not going to be the preferred parent. How are you going to be with that? I'm like, oh, well, it'll be great. Like, take her. You know, it's, it's just the IG. Um, um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a two-year shift. So Yeah. I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, how curious I am about the relationship to aging <clears throat> with men as well. I think that's something we don't talk a ton about. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll bring John on. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. We should have him talk because we just had the most potent conversation about male pain in the chat lab on mm-hmm. Friday. Like we're all of us, men, women, everybody just oh, waterworks, but I, there's just, yeah, I'm really interested in like us understanding. I don't know what's going on. This is okay. Um, but us having conversations about all of the things that we experience, I have been so struck by how little I really understand and know about the male experience. Um, yeah. And I think a couple people together, have a conversation. That would be interesting. Yeah. I think it, you know, there's a lot that comes up around all of these existential mm-hmm. fears for women. Of course, they must come up for men as well. Right. Yeah. Well, to be continued. Mm. Thank you all for listening, for joining us on lives, all the things, all the things, all the things. Um, until next time. Until we I just got really excited it. about your book. Mm-hmm. It's becoming real. Yeah. Look out for it, y'all. Um, I've just been told as of Friday that pre-order sales start first week of May, which is insane. Hear that, y'all? So look Get out. John and B's book. Here it comes. All right, everybody. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. 
be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.